Welcome to FinCast, the Financial Integrity Network's podcast series. I'm Juan Zarati, chairman and co-founder of Fin. Welcome back to another episode. In this episode, we have a conversation with Mariano Federici, one of the great legends in the anti-money laundering world. A conversation on financial intelligence, integrity, and the global anti-money laundering system. Why isn't the administration moving harder on sanctions? There's more of a military solution to this than most terrorist financing issues. Organizational structures as a key component for helping to develop confidence. White knights of illicit finance are a myth. They don't really exist. It's a direct attack on the on the money laundering vulnerability. President Putin's reaction to any of these allegations in the past has been prove it. Welcome back to FinCast. Very happy to have you back with us to talk with Mariano Federici, not only a great professional in our space, but also a great friend and now a colleague at Finn, a vice president who joined us in recent weeks. Uh, very happy to have you on board, Mariano. How are you? Very well, Juan. Thank you very much for inviting me to this FinCast. Of course. And Mariano, uh, for our Spanish-speaking friends, we could maybe do this in Spanish. I would maybe struggle a little bit, but... Uh, we're going to do this one in English, which is uh, just as you speak English just as well as Spanish. So we're in great shape here. No problema. <laughs> <laughs> muy bien, muy bien. For those of you who may not know Mariano, let me give you a quick snapshot and then we'll uh, head right into a fascinating discussion. For, for those of you who don't know, Mariano was the president of Argentina's Financial Intelligence Unit for four years from 2016 to 2020. He did an enormous amount of work there, which we'll get into. He was also, most recently, the chair of the Egmont Group of Financial Intelligence Units. Those of you who know the Egmont Group know that it is the collection of financial intelligence units around the world, and he was running uh, that organization uh, quite ably. He's got a number of other roles that he's played over the course of years, his leadership called for by the international community. He was chair of the FATF, uh, heads of the FIU forum, head of various groups. And in his past, he was also senior counsel for the IMF's legal department and a regional advisor for their legal department in Latin America and the Caribbean. He's a great lawyer as well, uh, formerly of Sullivan and Cromwell in their New York office. So again, one of the great professionals in our space. Mariano, again, a great honor to have you part of the Finn family. Thank you very much, Juan. Thanks for that introduction too. Of course. Mariano, let's let's start with where you just left. You left Argentina. You left your role as the head of the FIU there, not without controversy. Uh, you were part of major anti-corruption investigations of the highest order and modernizing the FIU and uh, the financial integrity regime within Argentina. Uh, can you reflect on those four years? And maybe you're you're not far enough away from it to reflect fully, but can you tell the audience uh, what that experience was like? Yes, uh, Juan, thanks for that question. It was uh, a fascinating experience. I'm, first of all, very honored to have been trusted by President Macri with that responsibility. I was working, as you know, as senior counsel for the uh, IMF, and I got called uh, by, by the president uh, for that job uh, simply because I, I had uh, the expertise uh, and knowledge uh, to handle that uh, that institution in in a, in a very complex uh, context because uh, our, the country was coming out of a very serious 
um, decade or so of of, of very uh, uh, you know serious uh, threats of corruption, uh, contaminating the financial system, and other crimes that had uh, that had been uh, perpetrated by criminal organizations and even terrorist organizations that had uh, operated in the in the region. So uh, the threats were 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 serious. Uh, the vulnerabilities were also critical. Uh, the FIU had been um, really devastated, to, to, to be honest, uh, by, I think, uh, um, you know, uh, mistakes on the technical level, but, but essentially a lack of political commitment to, to the fight against uh, AML-CFT. And so we had to, to put things back on track. Uh, fortunately, I was not alone in this. I had a, a, a fantastic team. Uh, on, on by my side, and and also a government that that prioritized these issues and uh, and and set them as a as a, a, a top uh, priority in their agenda as well. Um, we were able to to I think achieve a lot uh, in in little time. Four years is not as much. Uh, we could have used um, <laughs> several more. To, to complete, I think, uh, what, what we had as a, as a mission. But, um, but nevertheless, uh, I think uh, we, we contributed uh, to basically uh, improve the understanding of the risks that the system was uh, exposed to, improve the regulatory framework and make it a more risk-based framework, incorporating the risk-based approach to it, uh, establishing a different kind of relationship also with the financial system it was... Uh, there was a very tense relationship between regulators and the financial system prior to us taking over, and um, we uh, we we came with a completely different understanding. The understanding that the financial system plays a key role as a collaborator to the government's efforts in uh, understanding and mitigating uh, risks uh, to uh, related with financial crimes, and that we had to work together in partnership to uh, to get that job done. So that was a very, uh, very uh, ambitious, but at the same time, very, very interesting and rewarding uh, effort. On, on, on the detection side, uh, just to give you an example of, of how serious the situation was, when I came in, we had uh, our MOU with FinCEN had been suspended because of unauthorized um, uh, disclosures of, of, of information by the previous administration. So we had to get that, that relationship back in track and, and, and many other uh, relationships with other counterpart FIUs. So that was a challenge uh, as well. Fortunately, I also had good contacts uh, and, and friends in the international community. But I think uh, most importantly, uh, I was able to, to show, to demonstrate uh, with my team that, that we were there to do the right thing, uh, to work in accordance with international norms and standards and to uh, really set the course uh, for uh, Argentina's FIU, not only to, to help mitigate uh, the risks domestically, but also to contribute internationally to, to the global effort by uh, mitigating the risks to the international financial system. And uh, I think that, that that generated trust among my counterparts and I was rewarded uh, with, you know, the appointment at the end of my term uh, as, as chair of uh, the uh, Egmont Group of, of FIUs uh, for that effort, which is some, something I'll, I, I also um, truly appreciate and was honored to do.
Well, Mariano, uh, everything you described, I think many of us were watching from the outside as you as you undertook your work in Argentina and then obviously with the Egmont Group. It was clear you were trying to create a much more professional, uh, independent body uh, that was very much willing to get into the middle of some of the hard questions about uh, anti-corruption and financial integrity in the system. Uh, the, the other thing that was apparent, and, and it really was reflected in your election as chair of the, of the Egmont Group, was that you were doing your best to use your own personal status, as well as the, the work of the FIU, to reintegrate Argentina into the international financial system uh, and into the community of those who care about uh, anti-money laundering and uh, counter-proliferation finance, counter-terrorist financing, and, and anti-corruption. So that was clear from the outside. Are are you worried about the direction of of where uh, things are headed in Argentina, or or more broadly, uh, this question of how FIUs are potentially being politicized in the international uh, system? Uh, yes. Well, first of all, let me say that that what we did was also in line with a uh, with a more uh, governmental priority. May I say, Argentina had had. Uh, the opportunity during those years to also, um, you know, benefit from the trust that the that the international community placed in it. Uh, we we chaired uh, as a country uh, several international organizations: the WTO, the FATF, um, and the um, uh, G20. Uh, by the way, and um, I think you know it, it was a, a priority of president macri and that government to to uh, contribute to reintegrate reconnect argentina with with the rest of the world there was a vision behind that and so we were strongly supported uh as an fiu uh in in those endeavors uh, and and that made my 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 work uh, much easier but at the same time at the same time, Juan, there was a full respect uh, from the government side for the uh, autonomy and operational independence of the of the FIU. Um, the president, the cabinet and, and the political class, I think, understood that in order to be effective, particularly when you're uh, setting a course to fight corruption uh, with with, uh, with the might and the strength that we that we set, uh, ourselves to uh, there is a, a strong need not to contaminate uh, the effort with undue political interferences, and um, and and this was was fundamental. I made a strong point on that uh, from day one in my in my job, to the point that I brought this issue of uh, the importance of autonomy and operational independence to the. Uh, uh, to the center of the global discussions as well. We, we uh, developed a paper at the FATF Heads of FIU Forum on uh, the importance of FIU autonomy and operational independence. It was the first paper that had, uh, that has, had ever been, been uh, approved and, and, and published at the international level. And then the Egmont Group took the effort uh, forward as well and developed a more profound, much more profound document uh, which is now, I think, the, the, the main guidance that's out there on, on how to strengthen, enhance, and, and, and protect FIU autonomy and operational independence. This is critical, you know, because when you're, you're fighting corruption from a, an FIU's perspective, the logic is to uh, work towards contributing for the search of truth and justice. 
And the, the logic of politics is completely different. It's a logic of power. It's a logic of conquering and maintaining power. And, and those two paths, you know, don't, don't always uh, go along well with each other. And so it's important to preserve the, um, the autonomy and operational independence of the FIU to ensure its effectiveness. Regarding your question of, of whether I'm worried with the course, Unfortunately, I, I think there is a completely different vision uh, right now. The mm -hmm. current government uh, has a different understanding as to uh, what these institutions uh, should, should be doing. And it's an understanding that, in my view, is uh, uh, totally offline vis-a-vis -vis international norms and, and standards. You know, it's, it's, it's an understanding that uh, these institutions can be and can serve a purpose politically and, and help advance political objectives. And uh, this is where things get messed up. And when an institution like an FIU, which is an intelligence agency, can uh, turn from being you know, uh, a contribution to the uh, global effort to become a threat to, uh, to its own citizens. Right. And Mariano, to your point, the critical role that FIUs have played in the anti-money laundering system, being the the repositories, the analyzers of things like suspicious activity reports, suspicious transaction reports, um, as it's called in some jurisdictions, um, currency transaction reports, other financial information that's sensitive, potentially relevant to illicit finance, uh, but may not be uh, evidence uh, unto itself. But these are these are very important units that have very sensitive data attached to them. Um, can you speak to, you, you, you mentioned the international norms, and there's a little bit of veiled mystery around the Egmont Group. It, it sounds interesting, uh, given its name and its origins. The fact that it's a collection of financial intelligence units brings it some mystique as well. Can you, can you tell uh, the, the listeners kind of, what does the Egmont Group do? Um, what, what is it like nowadays? And what are some of the big issues that, that you had to grapple with? Well, the Egmont Group is a fascinating place for FIUs, for sure, because it's where they all come together, not only to, to exchange information, which is uh, fundamental to the effectiveness of the work that they, that they conduct, but also to build trust and partnerships among each other. And, um, and this is done through also the sharing of knowledge, the sharing of experiences, and a collaborative effort in working jointly to help overcome the challenges that FIUs face uh, uh, across the world. Uh, as the only operational body of the uh, global AMLCFT system uh, at the international level, it's, uh, it, it really plays an important uh, contribution to, to effectiveness at the end of the day. I think particularly important uh, for policymakers to, to uh, understand what the Ekman Group does and to, and to relate and, and listen to the um, uh, views and to the uh, suggestions, recommendations that the Ekman Group can offer to help improve the system. Because it's very, uh, very unlikely you'll be able to develop good policy if you don't listen to those that have to implement it, uh, to those that stand at the operational level 
with the responsibility to implement it. And that's the role of FIUs, among others, of course. Right, right. So, and, um, and Mariano, just just so the listeners have a sense, this is more than just uh, the, the, the meetings that are hosted. This is more than just the particular task forces that are brought to bear, more than just the standard setting as to how you operate with the private sector and the, the regulated entities, et cetera. There's a, as you said, there's a real operational dimension to this of information sharing, even a, a platform. Can you speak to that just briefly to give people a window into that world? Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, as as transnational crimes, money laundering and terrorist financing cross borders, and uh, it's uh, fundamental to have uh, cooperation among countries to. Uh, um, also to to help detect and 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 bring to justice uh, uh, those uh, those that commit those crimes, and uh, at the international cooperation level, you basically have two dimensions. Uh, first of all, the intelligence sharing, uh, which I think is critical to help uh, also in, enhance and and improve the effectiveness of the uh, mutual legal assistance effort, where the evidence is uh, ultimately shared. Uh, to sustain a criminal accusation in court, you need uh, to have solid evidence in your case. To build that solid evidence, uh, you uh, can benefit largely from uh, the intelligence that is, that is facilitated to those that are uh, leading, conducting the investigations. And that's what FIUs do. They exchange intelligence uh, across borders through the Egmont Secured Web to help um, facilitate the exchange of mutual legal assistance among countries and reproduce the evidence uh, that is necessary to support an accusation in, in court. This, of course, uh, requires, uh, it's not a, a, such an informal type of, of, of exchange. There are rules, there are principles to the exchange of information, and it very much largely depends on trust as well. Trust, which is built by uh, abiding also to those uh, norms, to those standards, to those principles that guide these type of activities. So there are consequences, of course, uh, for not uh, complying with those rules and principles. And, and the ECMON group administers, manages that effort. When there is a jurisdiction, for instance, that uh, uh, violates those rules through um, an unauthorized leak of information, for example, um, you know, there is a process at the ECMON group level that takes place and that could lead to the, to the suspension or, or even the expulsion of, of the FIU as a member. Let, Mariana, you've just opened the door to a very uh, intriguing current issue and, and with respect to what, what seems to be the leak of sensitive data from the uh, Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN, which is the U.S. Financial Intelligence Unit, which is really a, an important part of the Egmont Group, provides the, the technology and backbone for the international uh, sharing of information among the FIUs. But the uh, International Consortium of Investigative Journalists seem to have gotten quite a bit of leaked uh, data, sensitive data, perhaps even illegally. Um, and there are rumblings that uh, the ICIJ, these journalists, will be coming out with a series of articles based on those leaked documents. Now, we don't know more than what's being speculated at this point, at the at the point of taping of this podcast, but that has potential huge ramifications for the sense of trust and security in the U.S. system, does it not? 
Um, I think, of course, I don't have the information on 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 what happened <laughs> or the details on of the case. Right. But but certainly, I I, I support the statement that uh, Finson has issued on the uh, on the risks that uh, publishing that type of information, uh, disseminating that type of information could pose not only to the national security of the United States and potentially other countries that could be involved, but also to the lives of individuals, particularly those that um, reported criminals or that reported terrorists by sending and those uh, those SARS uh, sending that information to to the F, to their FIUs and ultimately to to FinCEN. Now, may I say something, Juan? There's sure, no Mario. FIU. Uh, there's no FIU in the world that is exempt from the possibility, from the, the risks of uh, suffering an unauthorized leak. I mean, I think uh, this is this is a problem uh, of of the world we live in, and and it's a challenge to. Uh, to every, I would say, uh, public agency holding and hosting um, sensitive information. This is why it's important to uh, invest in in, in systems uh, that um, are, are capable of, of protecting that information. To invest in cyber defense strategies to um, and to also ensure that uh, you know that no uh, external attacks. Uh, may be able to to steal uh, sensitive information, and also to invest in in uh, vetting the individuals and 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 uh, ensuring that internally uh, there are no leaks. But I think what's what's also important to take into account here is the uh, that the world values uh, how an FIU reacts to these type of events, and uh, at the Egmont level. When there is a case of an unauthorized leak of information, uh, the first the first issue that is evaluated is okay. Well, this happened. Now, how did the FIU react to this? Was there uh, a criminal complaint? Uh, was there a criminal invest? Was there an internal investigation? Was there uh, 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 any uh, attitude uh, towards uh, remediating to repairing this damage uh, from the uh, part of the authorities? And, and what has been done to avoid this from happening again? And these are the things I think we're, we're going to be seeing uh, possibly here in the U.S., but also in other parts of the world with, with uh, leaks. This is not the first time there is a leak, and it will not be the last. I think you're right, Mariano. I, I think uh, depending on the nature and scope of this, um, this also could be a catalyst for a, a broader discussion about the effectiveness of the current system, the the, the kind of data that's being held, uh, the kinds of requirements on financial institutions to file SARS, what what the scope of that information is, who should hold it, all, all the things that come along with uh, the, the kinds of questions that, that emerge with a, a leak like this. You've spent a lot of time, both in your prior official roles and now in the private sector, thinking about the effectiveness of the current anti-money laundering system globally. And you, the Wall Street Journal highlighted uh, you recently and your discussions about the need for innovation and new public-private partnerships and, and what that should look like. Can you speak to um, what you see as the, the vulnerabilities or the, or the problems in the current system and maybe some, some ideas as to how the system can be better? Sure. I think, uh, first of all, with 
in connection with the SARS, I think uh, it's uh, this is a discussion that has has been ongoing for several years already uh, beyond the the issue of of the leak. And perhaps it's true what you're saying, Juan, that the uh, leaks are. Uh, um, you know, may may put this back on the on a center spot. Uh, how effective are SARS? And uh, you know, uh, the, the the reality is that the, the numbers, the statistics, the facts demonstrate that their effectiveness is is uh, very low. Uh, a huge amount, a huge percentage of false positives. Uh, uh, a lot of um, resources uh, spent on transaction monitoring with very little results at the end of the day on, on, on effectiveness. And, uh, and that's, that calls into question uh, whether it, it may not be the right time to reconsider the options and, and promote other type of mechanisms as well that can help enhance effectiveness. For instance, uh, strengthening the public-private partnerships uh, arrangements where uh, the information starts to flow in a two-dimensional way, not only from the private sector to uh, the public sector, but also uh, the other way around with, with government uh, facilitating intelligence lines to uh, the private sector to help um, the private sector focus its information gathering effort in a much more efficient and, and effective way. Uh, I think that's the, the, the experiences that are... Um, that we're seeing across the world in uh, countries that have implemented these type of partnerships uh, is demonstrating how uh, how much more effective you can be in the use of your, your resources, both in the private sector side and uh, at, at the public sector level. This also benefits governments because the quality of the information that flows back when you're able to work in, 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 in a partnership mode is much higher and, and this improves the, the, the ability to detect uh, suspicious activity and to inform criminal investigators in a much more effective way. So, of course, there are still many jurisdictions that, that work uh, well with, with SARS and, and, and are perhaps not prepared to detach themselves completely from the, the SAR uh, regime. But, but I think we should start considering uh, other mechanisms like the PPPs as a complement of uh, of the SAR regime in a much more uh, aggressive way. I I also uh, think beyond the SARS, I mean, there are many other challenges uh, to to the AML CFT system today. There is the issue of um, information sharing itself. Uh, the system is built around a, a framework that favors the bilateral sharing of information rather than the multilateral sharing of information. And this, this means that uh, you know, when you're investigating a suspicion at an FIU in a jurisdiction, in order to be able to justify a request to another country, you need to have a point of connection with that other jurisdiction. You need to have a, a, a reason that justifies why you're making contact with that other jurisdiction to, to make that call. And um, of course, this is this is uh, important, but uh, but you there may be circumstances where you know other jurisdictions have the type of information that you may need and you may benefit from in the course of your investigation, and that they simply 
don't have the ability to cooperate with you because they don't know that you're investigating this. And right. uh, there are a lot of blind spots uh, in, in the framework uh, that could be, I think that could be overcome uh, through the development of, of um, uh, yeah, new uh, approaches that may facilitate multilateral sharing of information. Just a quick question, Marianne, on that. Yeah. Were you ever surprised, given given what you were seeing, both given your role in Argentina and as chair of the Egmont Group, were you ever surprised at the gaps in the system? That is to say, the the inability to, to sort of put the dots together quickly enough as an international community to get at high-end money laundering problems or terrorist financing problems or whatever the illicit finance uh, financing activity it would be. Were you ever surprised at what those gaps were and, and how wide they were? I was surprised and, and frustrated, to be honest. Uh, in, in the main cases that I had the chance to, to contribute to, I always felt we were one step behind crime, always, always. Uh, uh, and and uh, this is unfortunate because uh, I think many of those gaps uh, could actually be be solved through technology, uh, through uh, greater capacity building, uh, and through uh, a vision of of um, working in, in in closer partnerships between the private and, and, and public sectors. Um, just to give you an example, for instance. Um, Many financial intelligence units don't have the ability to freeze uh, assets, to freeze accounts. And uh, we, we, we found, particularly when you're embarked in an asset recovery effort, uh, we were faced with many circumstances we, when we were able to uh, detect the assets in another jurisdiction. But because of the time lapse that uh, the mutual legal assistance process takes, to uh, solicit uh, the evidence, uh, to uh, formulate a request for a freeze uh, by a judge to another judge in another jurisdiction with all the administrative uh, burden that goes through at the central authorities uh, levels, the money disappeared in, in between. And, you know, it's frustrating because you say, oh, wait a minute, I, I, I found this account and, and 30 days ago, the, the money was there. Why did it take us so long? Why did it take the system so long to put its hands on it and allow uh, the criminals to, uh, you know, to maneuver and 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 and, and you know uh, and make play the system? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's it's frustrating. frustrating. Yeah. To the other to uh, in in on the other hand, those countries, those jurisdictions that do have the ability to enforce precautionary freezes. Uh, are able to cooperate much more, much more effectively. Of course, this, this, all of these issues come with uh, with challenges. You know, multilateral information sharing brings the challenge of privacy. How do you protect privacy, and how uh, how do you ensure that you know an FIU is not just shooting out uh, requests to 165 jurisdictions through the Egmont Group to go out on a fishing expedition? You know, but. Now, I think uh, what's very promising, the privacy enhancing technologies that are able to facilitate uh, this type of uh, broader multilateral cooperation, but while at the same time protecting privacy 
uh, offer a great opportunity to, to overcome these type of challenges. On the, on the freezing side, there are also challenges. You know, uh, if you have a, an FIU that is working responsibly and that is exercising its, uh, its functions in a responsible way, well, fantastic. You're not going to have any problems on that side. But that system can also be abused. And, uh, and you're talking mm -hmm. about precautionary freezes, individuals that uh, are presumed innocent uh, in the major vast majority of cases. Uh, in some cases, people that don't have a criminal charge even against them. Uh, so allowing a, a, a government agency to, uh, to freeze the assets of people, you know, could pose challenges to the protection of property of, and, and uh, you know, the, to the right of property. And, and uh, so I think all of these things have to be balanced, but, but, but we definitely have to continue constantly to rethink and improve the effectiveness of its system to uh, avoid giving the advantage to crime. Mariano, one of the things that you said earlier in your work in Argentina was in some ways uh, restoring trust and the need to restore trust in the institution of the FIU, the institutions of government um, reconnecting internationally. In your, in your experience, given all the roles you've played, um, how important uh, is the element of trust, and in particular, the role of particular individuals or leaders that are trusted? I know that in the Egmont group, for example, um, or in FATF, for example, with you know, Chip and Danny, uh, who, are, who are great partners of ours, um, you know, there's a great element of individual trust in these networks. Can you speak to that? Because you've played such a pivotal role and you have a, you know, an outstanding reputation and your role as an individual was very important to your success. Can you speak to that? I think leadership is always important, uh, Juan, in every organization, but, and trust is, is, is fundamental, particularly in the, in the intelligence community circles. You're trusting your counterpart with information that's sensitive sensitive to your national security, sensitive to your in, to your your nationals, to your people. Of course, you need to trust who you're putting that information or who's on whose hands you're putting that information uh, on. But ultimately, I think uh, what's what's important from the leader is to be able to uh, build that trust on the basis of his will to fully comply with the norms, with the rule of the law, with the norms and the standards uh, that we have agreed upon uh, as, uh, as an international group to, to abide to. That is what the, uh, my counterparts trusted me for. They knew that when they were providing information uh, to me, I was not going to jump out of my office and, and hand it over to the president of my country to make a political use of that information. They knew that that information was going to be used for the search of truth and justice. They knew that that information was going to be used in accordance with international norms and standards and in accordance with my law in Argentina. And that's what I think is the basis uh, that helps build the trust uh, among the counterparts. It's not just about having a pretty face and, and speaking well. Yeah, and you, you do both. You, you've got both, Mariano. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I made it clear, but I think it's it's fundamental to have a basis. And that was the commitment we made. That is the commitment that I also um, brought my team towards. You know, I, I picked up an FIU that had a lot of people that had been appointed by previous administrations. 
that had different uh, ways of uh, seeing the world, uh, different ideologies too. And I told them day one, I said, look, we may have different political views here, different views on economic policy, uh, different views of, of, of the world. But what has to bring us all together as, as members of this organization is our commitment with the law. The law is one, and that's the one we have to follow. Argentine law, international standards, international conventions, that is the, that is the uniform we have to wear and that has to bring us all together as a team. And, uh, and, and I think that's, uh, that, that really uh, helped me uh, re rebuild and reunite also internally uh, the trust uh, of the organization in me. That, that's, a, that's a great message and insight, Mariano. And, and now we're fortunate that you're part of the K2FIN team, part of, I think, the best and brightest and, um, that we've tried to assemble and, and you're head of the class. With a, with a, a minute or two that we have left, uh, can you speak to some of the work that you're doing now? You're obviously uh, with us in the United States, but you're, you have a global remit. You're looking at Latin America. You're certainly looking at Miami as a key market. Can you uh, tell the listeners who may be interested in what you're doing now and, and, and looking forward to what you're trying to achieve and, and do for K2Fin? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Juan. Well, first of all, I'm very grateful to, to be working for K2Fin for all the reasons you mentioned, Juan. It's an outstanding group of professionals, but also I think most important to me is because we share values here in this organization. Uh, all of these uh, issues of related with integrity are not just a marketing uh, a tool for us. It's, it's, it's principles that we all believe in, and, and that's what makes me uh, comfortable and enthusiastic to be part of this group. And, uh, and what we're doing basically is uh, trying to promote the use of the intelligence-led approach uh, among uh, financial institutions. Uh, this is a, a new approach that uh, has been in existence for uh, four or five years at max, uh, but uh, that global financial institutions have, have incorporated. And now more medium and smaller size financial institutions are also starting to uh, to, to bring in, and uh, and we're driving that effort, uh, helping medium and, and smaller size financial institutions incorporate uh, the intelligence-led approach to uh, financial crime threat uh, mitigation. Uh, we're also uh, trying to uh, continue to assist uh, FIUs in the jurisdictional level, enhance uh, their their systems, enhance their ability to be effective. And, uh, and, and also trying to bridge between the two, the private sector and the public sector, helping them establish um, public-private financial information sharing partnerships, which I believe uh, is, is, is the key to effectiveness uh, in, in the future. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic with, with, this, uh, with these opportunities. Uh, I think there is a a huge appetite uh, in, in the world for uh, governments and, and financial institutions, uh, uh, for the private sector more broadly, to, to work more closely uh, together in the world we live in. And, uh, and, and I'm thrilled with being in a position to, to help uh, bridge those two interests. From Miami, we're looking at a, a fantastic place to um, position ourselves uh, in the hub of Latin America to help facilitate 
the integration of Latin American financial institutions with the U.S. financial system and also help U.S. Uh, financial institutions and other uh, type of uh, actors of the economy mitigate the, the threats, mitigate the risks of, uh, of uh, money that is flowing from, from all over the world into the United States through uh, this uh, amazing city that, that, is, that is Miami. We're focusing our efforts on the banking sector, the real estate sector, and now more the shipping industry, which uh, is also uh, um, uh, been mandated to contribute to, to the global effort uh, by, uh, by screening uh, those uh, individuals that are sanctioned and by helping the U.S. Uh, um, uh, facilitate the effort of, of uh, uh, helping uh, uh, avoid also uh, those that are trying to avoid sanctions. Basically. Right. Um, that's, that's fantastic, Mariano. Uh, maybe to close out the, this interview, and it doesn't have to be the last time we, we have a FinCast conversation with you. In fact, it won't be. But just to close out, I know there's a segment of our audience that are uh, students, uh, young professionals, uh, or, or perhaps even uh, folks that are, are just starting in a compliance career or, or an intelligence career. Is there any advice you would give to young people who are looking at you as a model and, and thinking, you know, I want to be a Mariano Federici someday? Is there, is there a, a lesson that you want to impart to them via this, uh, this podcast? Well, uh, I'd like to say, Juan, that this, uh, this job, uh, working in the field of financial integrity it's not just a normal job that you wake up every day and 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 you know uh, you go to and then come home and 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 disconnect from. It's it's a job that has to be lived with passion. We're talking about at the end of the day, we're talking about uh, lives here that are uh, at stake. We're talking about national security interests, about protecting our countries, protecting our global financial system for the benefit of people. And uh, you have to be passionate about that. You have to be passionate about uh, the fight against financial crime to be able to do this job right. If you're not passionate about it, don't don't come here. <laughs> don't come to this field. Don't come to this field because you're not gonna you're not gonna enjoy it either. Uh, and uh, I think uh, what I have seen in my experience is uh, the countries that have made. Uh, the longest way in this in this field are the ones uh, that have had passionate individuals that truly believe in the values we're trying to advance here. And this is why it's an honor also for me to be working in this country and with people like you, Juan, who have been a part of this history and uh, have put all your life and your passion into into this effort as well. Thank you, Mariana. Very kind of you. Um, it, it, just listening to you reminds me of listening to Chip Ponce because he talks about uh, purpose, passion, and uh, impact uh, for our firm, for things that we've tried to do in life. And we often talk about the true believers in the mission. And exactly. you certainly are a true believer, Mariano. And uh, it's a real honor to, to not only speak with you, but to be able to work with you now on a day-to-day -day basis. Thank you for joining us on FinCast, Mariano, for sharing your insights. Again, uh, for listeners, this is not going to be the last time that you can hear Mariano because uh, he's going to be offering his insights to all of us uh, in, the, in the weeks and months to come. Thank you, Mariano. 
Thank you, Juan, for this uh, wonderful opportunity. Appreciate it. Well, that's it for FinCast. That's the latest episode. Stay tuned for the next one. We hope this was enjoyable, entertaining, and educational. Take care. Thank you for listening to FinCast. We hope you join us for future episodes. Have a great day.